The college football race has been blown wide open, and we have a ranking to fit the theme. We're also talking NFL with some big wins by the Chargers and Bills this week. All that and more on this week's pod. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Back to the one-handed catch. Box. Back out to Allen. History part of Ash is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Sutler. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the left. Oh, blocked by James. This is What's going on, guys, and welcome to episode six of the Crew Sports Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Crew Sports Pod. I'm Michael Joaquim, joined here by Vito Patel. How are you doing, Vito? Really well. Amazing football weekend last weekend. For college and NFL, both good weeks. We're going to start this week with some news out of the NFL and NBA before we get into all the college football talk. One of the most surprising things that came out over this past week is John Gruden has stepped down as the Raiders head coach after a bunch of emails were released where he's saying some kind of not great things about former NFLPA president. John Gruden, this is, I feel like this is not the first time he's gotten in trouble saying some uh, inappropriate things, but it is kind of strange seeing that happen mid-season. Yeah, and these emails were from 2011, so yeah, he wasn't even working in the NFL or anything like that. But a lot of the teams felt that kind of what he said went against the values of the organizations. And because of that, Tampa Bay actually also is removing him from their ring of honor because they said his actions go against our core values as an organization. So he's getting a lot of backlash from, from these emails. What he said was definitely inappropriate, but the thing is, I do want to say that Gruden, I feel like, handled it fairly well. Like, he was pretty apologetic about it, and he said he chose to resign amongst the issues that came up. A lot of people were taking his apology pretty well, but in the end, he still chose to step down as coach. Yeah, so kudos to him for being a man about it and taking action. But yeah, it's kind of weird for that to be midseason. The Raiders, until like my Bears beat them, were looking pretty good. (laughs) They were, so... I wonder how this is going to affect them as a team moving forward. Hopefully not too much because they had a good start 3-0 season. The assistant head coach, who's also the special teams coordinator over the last four years, is going to take over as interim head coach until he either becomes the official head coach or they find another coach. But yes, right now it's a tough situation in Vegas. And we'll see how this affects them moving forward with the rest of the NFL season. News out of the NBA was the Nets earlier today told Kyrie that he cannot be a part-time member of the team and he's not going to be allowed to practice or play with them until he becomes like a full-time member and in New York to be able to play in games and to go to the practice facility and all that. You have to be vaccinated. You need at least one shot. And Kyrie does not want to get the vaccine. I thought, sorry to interrupt, but I thought it was... He had to be fully vaccinated, but he just needs to get one shot to get started. You have to have at least one shot, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, because what I was thinking originally is he had to wait the whole first shot, you know, the two weeks in between, and then the second shot, and, like, the two weeks after. So I thought it's still a whole month process. But, like, if you get started with one shot, like, everything could change if he just does it sooner. Yeah, I know. So whenever he gets his first shot, he'll be able to rejoin the team. I'm sure they'd love to have him back. 
but there have been a lot of rumors going around that Kyrie might or is at least contemplating retirement. I'm not going to get too political here. I definitely understand that he wants to make up personal choice and i respect his personal choice the big thing is it's impacting a lot of people his teammates first and foremost the fans of the nba as a whole and especially the nets fans and it's really just impacting him too he's losing a lot of potential money he could be making with that being a rule in new york other rumors were coming out that maybe he'll go somewhere like philadelphia where he would play for another team in a state where there isn't a vaccine mandate and he would be allowed to practice and play in their home games but maybe he just wouldn't be allowed to like travel to games like new york or california and those kind of states but oh that'd be very interesting until they play them in the finals (laughs) yeah and then you'd have to sit out yeah exactly that would be very interesting if he really, really doesn't want to take the vaccine, I mean, this is the best bet for him and the fans as a whole. And I hope Brooklyn as a team gets compensated for Kyrie if they had to trade him. It's all just rumors. So anyway, moving on into our college football, it was another huge week. Honestly, I got to say a hot take, but I think this is the best weekend of college football I think I've seen in like the last five years at least. There's at least four or five games on this slate that I would consider the game of the week had it not been played this week. Yeah, and we got a lot of games we're going to go through because <laughs> there, <was, laughs> there were just that many good games this week. Uh, we'll start off with Arkansas versus Old Miss. They put up over 100 points. <laughs> Ole Miss ended up winning by one, 52-51. There was like over 1,300 or almost 1,300 total yards of offense. Each team got close to having three 100-yard rushers. So Old Miss had two rushers over 100, and then their quarterback, Corral, was six yards shy of being the team's third 100-yard rusher. Wow. And then Arkansas had Sanders rush for almost 140 yards, and then K.J. Jefferson, their quarterback, and Smith were each 15 yards short of being 100-yard rushers. So a lot of offense in this game points everywhere everybody played well and honestly i knew corral was the leading uh leader in the heisman talk but we should start talking about kj jefferson for the heisman talk like he absolutely balled out and had six touchdowns the craziest thing about this game is arkansas tied the game up at the last second of the game and decided to go for two for the win and they didn't get it i guess they were confident in their offense which why wouldn't they be but i mean Ole Miss came up big their defense came up big for like perhaps their only good play of the whole game at the last play <laughs> <laughs> the only defense to play in a 103-point game. Exactly. Habit of the two-point conversion. But, yeah, amazing game, honestly. Like, a last-second touchdown, three touchdowns in the last 90 seconds of this game. Absolutely insane game. Offenses were both really good. And both these teams lost to what people thought were the best two teams last week. Yeah, both coming off a tough weeks. And both of them wanted to prove that, you know, they're the real deal. And they both really did. It's just, unfortunately, only one of them could win. Arkansas, who looked like a tough team in the SEC, has now dropped two straight, I mean, against Georgia and Ole Miss. So not easy games, but... There's a side note, but that Arkansas team, some people were questioning their offense after that Georgia game. And no, their offense is not a problem. Georgia's defense is just that good. (laughs) I mean, yeah, like everyone else, they couldn't do anything against that Georgia defense. I mean, they had just over 100 yards of offense last week. They had 676 yards of offense this week. Wow. And it pretty even. 326 passing, 350 rushing. They really balanced attack on offense, yeah. Arkansas is definitely the real deal. It's just uh, that Georgia is just much better. Uh, next game, we got the Red Ribble Rivalry. Yeah, that's a tough twister, but I love <laughs> Those games are always nice. 
Texas started off big, 28-7 to at the end of the first quarter. And this game ended Oklahoma winning by a last-second touchdown, 55-48. to Rattler got benched. Caleb Williams came in, I think, around sometime in the second quarter. He had 211 yards and two touchdowns. This game also had a lot of offense, almost 1,200 yards of offense. Yeah, no, absolutely huge offensive game for both teams. One of the big notable performances that I think people are going to not appreciate as much, especially since Caleb Williams absolutely balled out, Texas's receiver, Xavier Worthy, he had nine catches for 261 yards and two touchdowns. He's apparently a true freshman. Those kind of numbers from a receiver is insane. But the thing is, that wasn't even the talk of the game because of how well Caleb Williams, Casey Thompson, and B. John Robinson, Texas running back, played. Like, there's just so many crazy performances in that game offensively that, you know, something like that could easily get overshadowed just because everyone was balling out that game. But huge a comeback by Oklahoma. And a lot of folks liked uh, Caleb Williams more. And Caleb Williams is truly like a team player. The thing is, Spencer Rattler really wasn't too much of a team player, and so the team rallied better with him. Oh, another notable performance. I almost forgot because of all the great performances. Kennedy Brooks, the running back of Oklahoma, had over 200 yards rushing as well, and the game-winning touchdown. Bunch of crazy performances that game, but I thought it was a blowout by halftime, pretty much, and Oklahoma rallied back, and it became one of the most exciting games of the week. It would be the game of the week if there weren't so many more this weekend. It was 38-20 at halftime, but Oklahoma ended up coming back and they outscored Texas 25-7 to in the fourth quarter. No, that was amazing. But kudos to Texas, too, because Texas still scored a last-minute touchdown as well to tie it back up. Even though they're down, it was an 18-0 run by Oklahoma in the fourth quarter. Texas, at that point, hadn't scored in almost two quarters. They scored a touchdown. Their offense has definitely slowed down, but, I mean, it's huge for them to quickly come back down and score. I mean, both teams played their butts off, but... Again, only one of these guys could win. And Texas got another tough match next week coming up, but we'll talk about that later. Another candidate for game of the week, Iowa versus Penn State. So in this game, Penn State's quarterback Sean Clifford had to leave the game late, and that seemed to open up the door for Iowa to come back, and they scored 10 unanswered in the fourth quarter to complete their comeback, and they won 23-20 to against the then number four ranked Penn State. That was another really good candidate game of the week because Iowa had their first lead of the game. No, they scored the field goal first, but they had their second lead of the game late in the fourth quarter. Penn State pretty much was dominating that game with Sean Clifford. I mean, I give a lot of kudos to Iowa. They still fought really hard and was able to move the ball in that tough Penn State defense. Between Sean Clifford and their backup, their backup literally did nothing. He didn't move the ball, only had 34 yards passing in 21 attempts. It was such a big drop-off. He's the backup for a reason. You hope to not ever really need him. No, that's true. Iowa gave up two touchdowns in the first quarter to Penn State, and then nothing after that. They had a field goal in the second and third quarter. They really adjusted their defense well after the first quarter and and didn't give up too much more. As much as I want to take away from Iowa's loss, uh, Iowa still played one one hell of a game. They definitely forced to come back. And even if Sean Clifford was there, they probably would have still brought it close. Our fourth contender... For a game of the week, Georgia versus Auburn. Georgia continues to dominate these close to like top 10 ranked teams. I mean, Auburn now drops out of the rankings, but Georgia with another week of over 200 rushing yards, they continue to just dominate on the ground. And they did give up a touchdown this week, but to a very good Auburn offense. For the first time this season, I believe Georgia was trailing. They were trailing 3 0. 
early in the game. And Auburn actually played pretty physical at the beginning. They were moving the ball in Georgia, and they were slowing down Georgia's offense. But then Georgia's defense just made adjustments. Watching that Georgia defense is insane. There is nothing a team could do to move the ball on that team. Like, Bo Nix was seeing pass rush from all angles. They couldn't run the ball well, and they have good running backs. But because of that, like, Georgia kept on getting good field positioning, and they're able to run the ball and score a few times. But in general, it wasn't like Georgia was moving the ball that well on offense. It's just that Georgia's defense is so good that it gives offense a position to score. Auburn still had over 300 yards of offense, but they only had one field goal and one touchdown to show for it. They definitely probably moved the ball, but when it came past midfield, Georgia's defense probably got locked in. I mean, Bo Nix overall played pretty well as of late. I mean, still a tough win, though. To go into Auburn and win by multiple scores is pretty tough. Georgia still looks like the toughest team to beat. And then what people might call the actual game of the week, Bama versus Texas A&M. What a comeback for almost for Alabama, but then for Texas A&M to finish the job. Alabama's first loss since November 30th of 2019. And Nick Saban's first ever loss to one of his former assistants, Jimbo Fisher. I saw this another stat. This is the first time uh, Alabama lost an unranked team in like Saban's like last 10 years or something. Yeah, they did have the longest streak versus uh, unranked teams. I saw that during the Notre Dame game because Notre Dame has, has the second longest streak. And then right after the Notre Dame game finished, there was like two minutes left in the Bama game. And then they lost. Exactly. No, exactly. They're showing both because both teams were losing to unranked teams at the time. Yeah, it was 100 wins Alabama had. Yeah, that's insane. Oh, my God. Oh, no, Notre, Notre Dame's like in the 30s. Before moving on to Notre Dame, though, it was one hell of a game by A&M because a lot of people were scared for Bama to play A&M because A&M was like top five coming into the season. They're like, oh, going on the road to uh, A&M was going to be a tough matchup for Bama early in the season. But then A&M lost a couple games to Arkansas and Mississippi State, and they just dropped out of the rankings. But They're back now. Exactly. They had the talent. They just showed that they could finally put it all together. And they didn't dominate, but they had an answer for everything Bama did. And even when Bama finally took the lead, uh, they came back and had a couple quick scores in the last three minutes to win. Yeah, Bama actually outperformed them in almost every statistical category. They had almost 150 yards more offense, but Texas A&M got up big pretty early, and then Bama had to slowly chip away at their lead, and when they were finally back, and it was tied 38-38, that's an incredible walk-off field goal to beat Bama, and their first loss in almost two years. Yeah, if I had to pick, I would say this is the game of the week, too. So early in the third quarter, Bama gets a punt block touchdown, and literally the next play, the A&M returns the kickoff for a touchdown. And like crazy stuff like that happened throughout this game. That was huge to keep A&M in the game because once Alabama gets a hold of the momentum, uh, just good luck. A&M played one great game. The only thing is I missed that game, though, because I was watching the Notre Dame and Virginia Tech game. Yeah, me too. And that game was not worth watching. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into that one a little bit. Uh my biggest takeaway from that game was first Notre Dame played two quarterbacks, which I guess it seems to be normal for them now, considering last week they played three. But they got down early and they switched to Buckner. Buckner was not doing great, but they stuck with him for a lot longer than last week. And okay, so good things that I'll say about Buckner he brings energy and he brings a running element to Notre Dame. 
and it it helps like the run game, but he's not the best passer. For not having too many pass attempts, he has a lot of interceptions. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's my biggest problem I had with Buckner, too. He's had so many picks. Like, outside of his picks, he's not bad. And he really doesn't throw that often. Like, last week, he threw only a couple times, and he had a pick. And this week, he threw 14 times and had two picks. Yeah, I'm really confused about the game plan about quarterbacks. I mean, I definitely understand. Okay, Buckner had that big play to Kevin Austin, that deep pass. So, you know, keep him in for the momentum. But, like, he's not really your starter. And, like, the second he threw that pick six, I feel like we should have pulled him then. But we literally waited till the last second. And actually, from the vibe I got was we were never going to pull him out. He got injured during that play. He threw a pick. And Jack Cohn came on the field. At least this is what Kelly said. And was checking to see if he was okay. Uh, Kelly's like, you know, with that maturity, I was just going to have him lead the rest of the game. Good thing he did because, you know, Cohn saved the day. Yeah, I don't think we go down and score in that last drive with Buckner. Oh, no chance. Yeah, he was riding a couple good drives he had, but outside of that, he didn't really play a good game overall. But uh, Cohn is the real quarterback for this team. I mean, he threw 75% that game and had a touchdown. And, like, he's just a great quarterback. He just doesn't have good pocket awareness and ability to get out of it. For me, though, you also you can't keep switching these quarterbacks every couple of drives. It's hard for the offense to, to get any continuity yeah. and keep switching quarterbacks every few possessions, especially with how different Cohen and Buckner are. It's one of those weird situations, though. If you think of like Notre Dame quarters in the last six quarters, you had the second half of Drew Pine leading us back against uh, Cincy. Uh, it fell short, but you know he played pretty good. Then you had the first half with Buckner against Virginia Tech, and he played pretty good. And then you had the last couple of drives with Cone, and he played really solid. At this point, like I don't even know who's the best. Yeah, that also brought up the question for me. And when I was watching, I wanted to know where Pine was. Like, how come Buckner got so many chances yeah. and was not doing great for yeah. mo- outside of like one deep touchdown? Why didn't Pine get a chance? I thought, like, we both thought going into this game, he might be the best out of the three, and we didn't even get to see a snap from him. Well, one of the things is, I don't think he messed up. Like, Buckner and exactly. Cone both messed up, and that's, like, the reason why, you know, Kelly pulled both of them. But he hasn't even thrown a pick this year. So, like, I don't know what we're waiting on for, like, why we don't get to see Pine more. And I think Pine is a better runner than Cohen, obviously. Most people on the team are. Yeah. And a, definitely a better passer than Buckner. Yeah, I think he's like a he's like an intermediate between them. Like Cohen might be like a little bit better of a passer, and Buckner might be a little bit better of a runner. But I feel like with Pine, you're getting both elements. Exactly, at least. I agree. He's like the hybrid. Yeah, I agree. But we don't see him. I don't know what it is. Then I really don't because yeah, that would be nice. One good thing I do want to mention though is Notre Dame's offensive line played a little better this game. Yeah, that was that was an improvement. Yeah, less sacks given up, uh, more time. And just overall, for the first time this season, we outrushed our opponents, which is crazy when we have Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. We should be doing this every week. But, I mean, that being said, I'm so glad it happened once. <laughs> yeah, at least we got one time. But we're heading into a bye week, and I think, like, the biggest goal out of this bye week is to pick a starter on quarterback. And the second biggest goal is to continue that offensive line continuity. I think they're starting to play better because they have more experience together. And, like, I think that's what made those last few Notre Dame offensive lines good because they were all pretty, you know, experienced and had a lot of playing time together. Yeah, I agree. I think those are the two biggest questions for Notre Dame coming out of this bye week. And their schedule doesn't get that much easier after. But every game should be winnable if we're coached. I think it's one of those things where it's not an easy schedule, but everything's winnable. 
No, there's no like gimmies, but we still expect like a, a eleven in one season from Notre Dame. That'd be pretty nice. One last shout out. Jonathan Dewar won another game with a long field goal. I don't know. He can't make like the smallest field goals and the extra points, but he can make the toughest, most pressured kicks. And that's the game winners. <laughs> those are the important ones. Big shot. Robert Ori, who always makes those big shots and got all his rigs. He didn't do really much of anything else, but he makes the big shots. There's a decent amount of shakeup in the new top 25 AP poll. You got Georgia now is a unanimous number one after Bama loses. Iowa bumps up a spot to number two. Cincinnati and Oklahoma each go up a couple spots to round out the top four. And now Bama drops to number five. Ohio State up to six. Penn State dropped after losing to Iowa down to seven. And then Michigan, Oregon, and Michigan State round out the top ten. So that's five Big Ten teams in the top ten. Big Ten is loaded. The cool thing is, I think I was the only one that doesn't have to play all of them. Everyone else has to play each other. Yeah, they're in the West. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State will all end up playing each other in the coming weeks now. Oh, that's about to be. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit last year. They're all going to start knocking each other down. But for them to be all be in the top 10 at this point, there are going to be some good, good games and good wins for whoever comes out on top of the Big Ten East. Uh, pretty much all of those guys are in the picture. Inclu- that includes Penn State, too, who just lost. Yeah. And that brings us to this week's ranking. And this week, we rank the top three Dark Horse teams that can make the playoffs. This Dark Horse, uh, I'll go first, I guess. <laughs> I get it because I was about to speak. Uh, this Dark Horse, I think, like this one, I actually think is going to make it too, uh, confidently. And I think Ohio State is my first Dark Horse. They already have one loss, and like a lot of people already count them out. But they have three top 10 teams left on their schedule, and I think they beat all of them. I mean, they haven't played pretty well at the beginning of the season, but as of late, uh, they had a lot of offensive productivity, and they scored 66 in the last game. They have some of the best receivers. Actually, I'd say the best receiving core, a great running back, and a pretty strong quarterback. So, like, I think Ohio State makes it all together, too. Now I'm afraid we're going to have another pretty similar rank it because my number one was also Ohio State. <laughs> Uh, and for a lot of the same things that you said, if they went out, they get to control their own destiny with the strength of their remaining schedule. And they're starting to figure out how to use their young guys, like you said. And CJ Stroud is playing out of his mind recently. His last two games, he has 736 yards, 10 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Oh, oh, sheesh. Yeah, he was pissed they lost to Oregon for sure. Now. Yeah, so since that Oregon loss, they beat Tulsa 41-20. They beat Akron 59-7, to and that was without C.J. Stroud. Then they beat Rutgers 52-13, and they just last week beat Maryland 66-17. So like you said, a lot of offensive firepower. Yeah, I think they went out. I think they win the Big Ten Championship probably over Iowa, and I think that they'll be a lock for the playoffs. They could even get like the two seed, honestly. But the second Dark Horse team, and this one is like a real Dark Horse. It's a little stretched, but Ole Miss is still well alive and is still well in it. Their only loss this so far is to Alabama, which is pretty solid loss. But I was looking at the remaining schedule, and the only team that's ranked left on their schedule is A&M. And yeah, I know A&M is pretty good, especially after seeing what they did to Bama. But, you know, if they could win that one out, I mean, one or two things still has to go their way because I'd say the possible scenarios is if Bama loses to the, in the SEC championship game and a few more other losses have, that's a pretty good one-loss team if your only loss was to Bama. But the other scenario I can see happens is 
if Bama straight up just loses again to Auburn in the regular season or something like that, then Ole Miss plays Georgia in the SEC championship. I know it's a little stretch, but I mean, Ole Miss has looked pretty good and they only have one more ranked team to beat. They could sneak their way in there. I think they have a better chance not going up against Georgia in the SEC championship and just sticking with one loss. <laughs> That's true. They don't want to play Georgia. Yeah, they'll probably lose that one. Yeah. My second was Oklahoma. And it's not too much of a long shot, I don't think. But benching Rattler and bringing in Williams, he looks so much more dynamic. He gets out of the pocket more and he extended plays and just launched it downfield and just created scoring opportunities. Yeah, I love Caleb Williams. If that Oklahoma team moved the ball like they did with Williams in the second half, yeah, oh, man. Yeah. The thing for Oklahoma, though, coming out of the Big 12, they have to win out, and they'll have to win the Big 12 championship. Yeah. I mean, that's tough because they might have to beat Oklahoma State twice then. Yeah. I mean, no one trying to get in the playoffs has room for error, but even with one loss, they they have made it in previous years with one loss, but I don't know. This year might be different. They might have to stay perfect to get in. I mean, they could do it, especially with this new look, Oklahoma. I mean, I think they're the best team in the Big 12 anyways, talent-wise. They just got to play like it. Yeah, I mean, it was between them and Texas, and they got past Texas. Yeah, <laughs> barely, but they, yeah, they did. My last star course, this is a, this is like a rubber band. Like, this is, this is, this is a part <laughs> of a big stretch. But Wake Forest, they're 6-0. And I, <laughs> that is a big stretch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I actually, to be fair, I don't want to see Wake Forest in the playoffs because I think they'll get defeated. But they also only have one more ranked team on their schedule left too, and that's NC State, and that, they play that game at home. And I mean, you know, they win that game and they win the ACC probably. Like they want a big Power Five conference at thirteen. No, if that does happen, like it'd be hard to deny them that spot. I think if they won out. And my number three, Dark Horse, wins out. Those two could be competing for the last spot. And my number three is a non-Power 5. Talked about them last week. Cincinnati. I think out of all the teams on my list and on your list, Cincinnati has the best chance of winning out, given they're just so much better than everyone else remaining on their schedule. The only thing with Cincinnati is I don't, and similar to Wake Forest, is I don't think even if they won out, I don't know if they would control their own destiny. I agree, yeah. Because if Alabama goes to the SEC Championship and beats Georgia, Georgia's still getting in and Bama's still getting in. And then I think you'd have the Big Ten winner get in. That's three teams. You're comparing Cincinnati, Wake Forest, and Oklahoma's resume. Oh, and yeah, it has to go to Oklahoma. And that's the thing that stinks about Cincinnati because it would appear that they're locked in because they're already in the top four. And there's no not a single game left in the schedule that should even really be close because of how much better they are than their schedule. But the thing is, I don't even know if like if their resume looks better than Wake Forest at the end of the year if you compare the two and two. Let's say if for the last spot. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the disadvantage of, of not being in a power five. Exactly. And what stinks is, because I actually definitely think they're better than uh, Wake for sure. I mean, Wake Forest is a good team. Well, and that's why the eye test is part of the committee's like rankings. That's true too. They might keep Cincinnati ahead of a team like Wake Forest. I was also thinking about two Big Ten teams too. There's a lot of like, possibilities, but I think Iowa could stay undefeated in the regular season and their only loss could be to like an Ohio State team which is what I was thinking. In the Big Ten Championship? Yeah, I feel like both Iowa and Ohio State are deserving then. Yeah, but you would need Bama to lose in their SEC Championship. 
that's that's what I would say. That's tough because Iowa, which only lost would have been to Ohio State. Ohio State's only lost to Oregon. And Bama's only lost to A and M. Who ended up having the best loss too? Because A and M's unranked technically. At least uh, the other two had losses to ranked teams. I think in that scenario, Ohio State is getting in. Georgia's getting in. Bama's getting in. So then you'd be, does Iowa get in losing the Big Ten championship? Or do you put in like an undefeated Cincinnati who won a non-Power 5? Maybe Oklahoma with a Big 12 if they won. Oh, yeah. And yeah, if Oklahoma State's undefeated, you got to put Oklahoma in. Yeah. There's so many scenarios, but... Chaos for sure this year. I, I guess I hope there's a couple more upsets. Oh, there will there will be. I mean, there always yeah, is. Yeah. It's too hard to predict from now. I love chaos. I think there's going to be a lot more. Yeah, of it. I hope so. Looking ahead to next week's games, we got two top 25 matchups. Number one, Georgia faces off against another highly ranked team. This time, the number 11 ranked Kentucky Wildcats. Oh. Yeah, see, the thing is, I wanted to pick Kentucky as one of my dark horse teams, except they had Georgia on their schedule. Yeah, they're definitely losing this week. <laughs> Kentucky's good. They take me wrong. Uh, this is probably one of the better Kentucky teams I've seen. They're not normally a football school, so it's surprising seeing them as high as 11th. Kentucky's having an amazing season, 6-0. and They've won a couple games against ranked teams, but that's going to be over uh, when they play Georgia this weekend. Yeah. I'm not going against Georgia until I see anyone even get within a couple scores of them or I even make a game out of them. For example, I know Clemson kept it a close week one, but it wasn't really a close game. Like They weren't moving the ball at all. Yeah, they did nothing. But Clemson's defense also held Georgia's offense. But I think this Georgia team has just gotten even so much better since then. Uh, the spread is uh, 22 and a half. People aren't really giving uh, Kentucky much love at all. <laughs> Which Kentucky has been pretty good. They beat LSU by oh, wow. uh, three scores, and they beat Florida. Like they're they're a good team for sure. Yeah, but it's just it's not fair just against Georgia. And yeah, that's the thing though. I I would be surprised if I saw Kentucky score more than fourteen points. Like I think they're gonna be held to ten or less. Yeah, I no, they're not getting two touchdowns. Even though Georgia gave up a touchdown last week, they're not doing it again. They take a lot of pride in their defense. I think Kentucky's defense can slow down Georgia, but they are not putting up points. And so Georgia's going to win that easily. And they're not going to get too many possessions because Georgia's going to dominate with the run, they'll dominate yeah. possession, and they're not going to give Kentucky that many chances to even put up points. I'm not sure about the news about JT Daniels, but Georgia's been doing all this without their starter. Uh, if JT- Yeah, they don't even need him. <laughs> they can He can keep resting until the SEC championship. Bam has no film at all whatsoever. JT starts balling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they could though. They actually could. I don't think there's a game that they should be worried about until that late in the season. Even their schedule, their upcoming schedule though, is not like that easy. That's true. But the, the fact that they uh, easily beat Arkansas in Auburn uh, with their backup quarterback could tell me, like, tells me that they can pretty much beat anybody. The other top twenty-five game of the week, and I think this one will be much closer than Georgia Kentucky. Oklahoma State versus Texas. Another Big 12 matchup. Bro, Texas is so much fun to watch. Like, it's so sad that they kind of lost to Oklahoma. They're a really, really good football team. And they can move the ball. Like, they'll put up a lot of points against Oklahoma State. You know Oklahoma State's defense has been pretty strong this year. I just don't think they could stop this Texas offense with the amount of weapons it has. Yeah, and Oklahoma State was a, one of the teams I was considering for our rank it. Because if they go on to win this game, 
Yeah. They would meet Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. The winner of that, I think, would get a pretty good shot at the college football playoffs. So Oklahoma State needs this to even keep their playoff chances alive. But I don't know. Texas, just from what I saw in the Red Ribble rivalry, Texas offense is going to put up a lot of points. Oklahoma State is going to have to score a lot to keep up. And another thing is, like, after a loss like that, like, they're going to come off firing. Because they, they also got a taste of blood. Like, they know they could compete with a top-five team like that. You know, they lost. That's a game that would give me a lot of confidence if I were Texas. Yeah, it's going to be another good week of college games. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, a lot of wrap-up there, that was. Yeah. Moving on to the NFL. I remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about week of the kicker and how there were so many <laughs> kickers make, making game-winning field goals and Tucker broke the record. This week was not so much the week of the kicker. <laughs> there was 12 missed extra points, which ties the NFL record. That was set back in 2016. I think it was the year after they moved the extra point from like the 2 to the 15-yard line or whatever. There was also 12 missed field goals. And almost half of them came in the Cincinnati Green Bay game after the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, I saw, I saw that. I saw a tweet saying, if there's a game that deserves to be a tie, uh, it's a Cincinnati Green Bay game because I've seen both teams ruin their chances to win so many times. I'll run through it real quick. So it was a tie game, 22-22, and right before the two-minute warning, I mean, like it was like two minutes, 10 seconds, 11 seconds, something like that, Green Bay misses a 36-yard field goal. They give the ball back to Cincinnati. They get a couple first downs. And then with 21 seconds left, they miss a 51-yard field goal. Now he's giving the ball back to Rodgers with 20 seconds left. He gets a a one first down. And then Crosby gets another chance at a 51-yard field goal to win the game. As time expires, he misses. So now we're going to overtime. Overtime, Green Bay gets the first chance. They miss from 40. They give the ball to Cincinnati. Cincinnati misses from 49. Oh, my. And then then as overtime is winding down, there's a little over a minute left. Mason Crosby, who made his first two field goals and has missed his last three, finally knocks it through and makes a 36-yard field goal to win in overtime. Whoa, that's crazy, though. Five straight missed field goals that was? Yeah. Wow. In the NFL, like just back and forth and misses. And in one of them, Cincinnati began celebrating because they thought they made it. But they hit the flag at the top of the goalpost. Since they had a chance to beat Green Bay that many times, I didn't even realize. Like, I thought it was a close game, but. It was super close. They both had at least three to four chances to win. Anyway, moving on. The Colts absolutely collapsed the other day on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think we were both talking about this last week. Uh, I think we both picked the Ravens. I've, but I think we said, like, you know, this is not going to be an easy win. Colts are a gritty team, and they're going to make it tough. It was a good game for the most part. Like, there was over 1,000 yards of offense in this game, and the Colts were up 22-9 to with under 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. But the Ravens blocked a field goal, took it back for a score. or not, they They scored on that drive, I mean. And then the Colts actually missed a field goal. That could have won the game at the end of regulation. More kicking woes. So that sent it to overtime. And then Lamar and the Ravens just went down on the first possession of overtime and scored a touchdown and ended it. That is an amazing game. This Ravens team is crazy because 
I pretty much think they could have lost every single game they played outside the Broncos game. Like they've been all extremely close, but they're four and one. Yeah, they love these overtime games. But Lamar had a crazy game. 442 yards, four touchdowns on 86% completion. Insane. Like I, I, I definitely expect Lamar to do that on this indie defense too. I thought this indie defense was solid, but honestly, just impressive though. Carson Wentz dropping 400 yards too on his Ravens defense. Uh, they looked a little like the Falcons that game, but <laughs> looking like Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. I saw the stat. Lamar has around like 1,800 some total yards of offense so far this year, and that's more than 18 other teams. That would put him at 15th if he was a team. Wow. So Lamar has been having a really good year, and I feel like it's it's kind of quiet. Like not too many people have been talking about Lamar this year. I guess. Yeah. No, I agree. I wonder is it just becoming a habit, or I don't even know. But yeah, it's just expected from him now. I guess, yeah, he's just in the elite category. We both had good Sundays. Bills and Bears both had good games. Bears, I picked them to lose, and I guess, I mean, I was wrong, but I'm happy I was wrong. <laughs> they beat the the Raiders on the road. I like the way Fields played. Uh, he didn't lose the game. He didn't make mistakes. And yeah, he had his first touchdown. But the big thing was that Bears defense pretty much shut down Carr the whole game. They scored late, and they moved the ball late, but the stats don't really show you how dominant the Bears' defense really seemed. Their defense used to be the focal point of the team. It used to absolutely carry the team. But recently, like last year, kind of towards the end of last year and early this year, it looked like it was kind of getting away from that. Khalil Mack's starting to become a lot better pass rushing again, I guess. That was a big change. Like, Well, he's becoming healthy again. That's true, yeah. He has played through injuries. He leads the team in sacks this year. Uh, I mean, he already has five sacks this year, and like this last game, he had seven tackles. Mac's just like getting close to the quarterback every time, causing pressure. Like Mac is playing like old Cleo Mac again, which is huge for the Bears. And then the other pass rushers are becoming a big factor too. And Roquan's playing really well too. All around, this defense is finding their mojo again. That's good because uh, with a young quarterback, you know, you'll need that to not put him in too many bad situations. Oh, but what about those Bills? You guys are killing it. Oh, Sunday night was the time of my life. <laughs> it was so good to finally beat, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. This must have been what Lamar and the Ravens felt like <laughs> a couple weeks ago. <laughs> After yeah, a few weeks ago. But oh, that game was it was just it was it was perfect. It was perfect for me. I mean, Josh Allen had 219 yards and three touchdowns at half. He ended with 315. Dawson Knox caught his fifth touchdown that game, and so he has the most among tight ends. He's been having a breakout year. It was what the Bills were like hoping for, because I remember in the offseason, I at least I wanted him to go out and get like someone like Zach Ertz or something like that from the Eagles, but they didn't. They believed in Knox as their guy, and that was a good, good bet. Another thing I was really impressed with was our defense. Our defense obviously has looked good over the past couple weeks, you know, two shutouts and stuff, but, you know, those were against lower-quality teams. But against Chiefs, man, they looked really good. Our D-line has a nine-player deep rotation. They all play around half the snaps, and they're still forcing a bunch of takeaways. The defense is first in points in the league. I mean, the two shutouts really help with that. And now they're first in takeaways. 
No, yeah, Bills look like the hottest team for sure. They're like, you guys have been so dominant as of late. And on both sides of the ball. But honestly, another stat, I keep looking at sacks allowed from the uh, Bills every week. And like the last couple of weeks, it was like one or zero. And then this week against the Chiefs, you guys gave up zero sacks. Like you guys, you guys do a great job protecting Josh Allen too. So you guys are solid on the line. He's also really good at getting out of the pocket. And yeah, actually, I guess I should consider that too. There was one where he, he rolled out to the right and just launched one down the field to Knox for a touchdown. But yeah, he's really good at extending plays, and that helps. I was worried about our line at the beginning of the year. One thing that I took away from that game, though, or I wanted to ask you, do you think the Chiefs are getting figured out? If I say that and they start winning every other game, I don't want to be wrong. But I mean, this is already the third time this season that they lost. and like They're sitting at 2-3 and three right now. Yeah, exactly. Their win uh, against the Browns is really close. They easily could have lost that. Like, So they've only had like one quality win so far. First six games of the season, every game's been pretty close. And even that Eagles game wasn't like a dominant game. So uh, something's going on. Teams are easily scoring on the Chiefs defense. Oh, the defense is definitely an issue for them. Yeah. Mahomes is making, I think he already has more picks than he did last year. Five games in the season. He's already equaled his picks this year as all of last year. Yeah. So some something's going on. It seems like a lot of teams are implementing Tampa Bay's Super Bowl plan from last year to contain the Chiefs' offense. You play a cover two with two deep safeties, and you essentially just do whatever you can to take Hill out of the game that way. And then you hit Kelsey with two or three different guys on the line and don't let him take a, don't let him get a clean release. And you just make the Chiefs go the length of the field the hard way, picking up short passes, picking up you know five or six yards of play. And the Chiefs really don't like doing that, and they're not good at doing that. They're more likely to go like four plays 70 yards than like 15 plays 80 yards you know what i mean that is true though yeah they don't like long sustained drives they like big plays. yeah they they do big chunk plays and if you keep them in front of you and you force them to go length of the field and i mean every once in a while you're they're gonna get something yeah they just right down. and you might give up like a penalty here or there to keep their drive alive but you got to be super patient with them, and it seems like that's that's how you slow them down. I mean, that's what the Bills did. That's what Tampa did in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's what teams are kind of doing against them now. But the thing for me is Andy Reid is too good of a coach, and the Chiefs got too much talent to be figured out for too long. Their offense has taken a one step down, but, uh, I mean, I think one of the bigger things is their defense has just looked awful this year. Like, everyone's scoring on them easily, like, the least amount of points they gave up this season uh, was like 29, I think. Yeah, 29 to the Browns. Yep. So, yeah, everyone's scoring a lot of points in them. It seems like four scores not enough to win a game, which is already tough because a, a lot of teams need that. Like, usually, once you have four scores in the NFL, four touchdowns, it's usually a lock to win games, but not for the Chiefs. They have to score 30 plus to win games. And, I mean, it's going to be tough, too. The more and more games Mahomes and them have played, the more and more film there is, the less and less surprise you could have, though, even as good as and creative uh, Andy Reid is. Yeah, it seems like the, the Chiefs' grip on the AFC is loosening a bit after a few years. Because now this was Allen's first win over Mahomes, and earlier in the year Jackson got his first win over Mahomes. Herbert has beat him before, but he beat him also this year. At least on the good news, though, uh, I was going to say for for the Chiefs is at least they're losing to the good teams. <laughs> they're not losing to nobodies, but still, they gotta they want to win the AFC. 
They got to beat the good teams. Yeah, but no one thought after five the Chiefs would be last in their division at two and three. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That That's definitely a surprise. But the AFC is wide open now because you got, you got Chiefs, Browns, Bills, Ravens, Chargers. Titans, maybe. They can make a run. I mean, not for the first seed, but like in the playoffs, perhaps. The AFC is pretty close. It's going to be some good playoff games. All right, so that brings us to our game of the week. I will not pick Chiefs-Bills since we just talked about that one. But I thought the game of the week outside of that one was Cleveland-Browns versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Another crazy high-scoring, a lot of offense game. It was another game with over a 1,000 yards of offense. If you do NFL college, how how many times did that happen this weekend? That's crazy. I don't know. I feel like every almost every game we've talked about has had over a thousand yards of offense. I thought so. Both of us picked the Browns last week. We were both high in the Browns, and yeah. for good reason. Like even in this game, even though they lost, it was it was a good game. It was a close game. They had control. So about halfway through the third quarter, they were up, you know, twenty seven thirteen, and I thought they had it, but the Chargers scored in the third quarter. To bring him within a touchdown. So it was 27-21 entering the fourth quarter. Then the Chargers scored again to take the lead, 27-28. The Browns responded pretty quickly with a 71-yard touchdown by Joku. So then they were up, and they went for two, so they could be up by a, a full touchdown. So 35-28 Browns. Then the Chargers respond again to tie it up, 35-35. Then with under five left, the Browns drive and score to put them up by another touchdown. Chargers respond with a touchdown of their own, but miss the extra point. More kicking woes. And then the Browns tried to run the clock out, but the Chargers defense came up with a stop and they had to give the ball back to them. And the Chargers were like in scoring range, like they were inside the 10. So they could have easily run the clock out and just kicked a chip field goal. I think that's what they're trying to do, but the Browns defensively grabbed Eckler and carried him into the end zone so they could they forced him to score so the Browns could get the ball back and try and score one last one. But they got stopped. So very back and forth game. Uh-huh. A crazy fourth quarter. It was like forty points scored in the fourth quarter. Six touchdowns, yeah. Wow. One quarter. But another huge game from Justin Herbert. He had 398 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. He's been balling almost every game this year. And I thought personally he wasn't going to be that good in the NFL. And boy, was I wrong. This year he's insane. And even last year, he ended the year. It's only his second year. Yeah. No, exactly. Last year he ended really, really strong too. And like against that Browns defense, which up until this week has been locks too. Mm-hmm. Bears and Vikings of the weeks before combined for 13 points against the Browns. Bears didn't have a touchdown. And Vikings only had a touchdown. So, like, yeah, for them to do that to a defense that's that good, that's insane. I think it's going to be between the Chargers and the Bills right now, it looks like, for the top seed in the AFC. Yeah. If I were to speak right now, I feel like the Bills look a little sharper because Chargers have played some close games that they could have lost. <laughs> the Bills haven't even looked beat touchable as of late. The Bills have been looking better every week. It was another fun week of NFL. So now we're moving on to the week six pick 'em. After last week, I tied it back up. I would like to say so. Now <laughs> we're we're back yeah, to tied. Yeah, Both no, two, no, for two sure. And one. No, I, I had a I had a bad week. 
It was close. I think, yeah, I got one more right than you. Moving on to this week. So Thursday night, we got Tampa Bay at Philadelphia. Tampa's just looked hot. We both got Tampa Bay. I don't trust Philly. Yeah, I mean, even though they, they are coming off a win, but... And I kind of like the way Hertz has been playing, but yeah, no, they're they're improved. I just don't trust. Yeah, them. but no, no, they're they're not to the level yet where they can compete with with the top tier teams like Tampa. Moving on to the Sunday games, though, we got another London game, Miami versus Jacksonville. Got another nine thirty kickoff in London. I really want to pick Jacksonville on this, but I'm like, I gotta tone back on these upset picks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, I think Tua started practicing. I don't think he'll be in this game. But no, man. Jacksonville currently has the third longest losing streak in NFL history at 20. And I think it continues. I think so, too. But I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I could see this being the week. No, no, no. <laughs> nope. I don't see it. Green Bay at Chicago. You're going against Chicago again? Is this just a thing now? You go against Chicago? And <laughs> I really do. I, I hope they beat the Packers. Honestly, I, I just don't understand how we keep winning. Like, uh, But I mean, I'm all for it. Like, I'll pick them because I don't think they're going to win. This is what I truly think is going to happen. Green Bay, I think, is going to win. But I'd love to see Chicago win. And the way our defense is playing and it being at Chicago, don't be surprised if Chicago comes out on top. Green Bay looked like they were really hot going into last week, but I think they cooled down a little bit last week. Next, this is our first pick where we differ. Cincinnati at Detroit. You got Detroit picking up their first win. I got Cincinnati bouncing back. Big Lions fan is definitely the most depressing fan base, but when you really look at it, these, these guys pretty much should have won almost every game they played so far. Like The only two games that they straight up just lost was against the Packers and the Bears. Every other game has was like last second loss. Bro, I was so I was watching the Lions versus Vikings game and with like twenty seconds left, they score a touchdown and they go for two to take the lead. I'm like, Lions finally got their first up and then Vikings in nineteen or twenty seconds, whatever, go down, get a field goal and win. One of the few teams that didn't have any kicking problems. <laughs> <laughs> of course it happens against Detroit though, but they get the sixty six yarder against them too. Yeah, I like Cincinnati, though. I mean, I think Cincinnati's offense, like Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, have just have had a great connection all year. And I think their defense is still pretty underrated. Like, their defense has, like, everyone thought their defense was going to be Swiss cheese, man. Just holes all over. <laughs> but, no, they can kind of hold their own, right? They can be good enough that it keeps Cincinnati in positions to win games. Cincinnati's looks sharp, especially as of late. But I don't think Detroit's, like, even though they're own five, they're they're not a own five team. No, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Uh next we got Houston at Indianapolis. Houston almost got a win last week, but did not. We both got the Colts. Rams over Giants. We agree. Kansas City at Washington. I almost wanted to pick Washington. I did too. But man, two and four Kansas City. No, we we can't say that. There's no way. Yeah, no, that's just not possible in this world. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just can't fathom that. Next, another game we differed on, Minnesota at Carolina. This game is honestly the closest you could get. Like, I was... I think this is going to be, yeah, one of the closest games this week. Because the, This was the hardest one to choose. Yeah, because Minnesota has had a lot of close losses, and Carolina's 
looked pretty good at the beginning and lost the last two. But I think Carolina finally gets a win again. And Minnesota got pretty lucky against Detroit. Not lucky, but they survived a close battle against Detroit. I think Carolina wins this because I think it's a more important win for Carolina. Yeah, I got Minnesota. So the thing is, Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey are both still questionable. So I don't know. I think McCaffrey has a better chance of playing from what I've seen, what I've read. I think McCaffrey's more likely to play than Cook. But Minnesota's been looking better. Like their defense has been looking better. And yeah. Madison has been playing well in place of Cook. I don't think they are missing Cook as much as Carolina's missing McCaffrey. Carolina's offense is a just they're just a different team without McCaffrey on the field. Yeah, that's true. Because they haven't won since. Chargers at Baltimore. The Chargers are just hot right now. Baltimore is too, but I I didn't want to pick against the Chargers right now. Yeah, neither did no, exactly. You. Both of them are four and one. It's tough, but I I'm going with the hot team because every time I think Herbert's gonna lose, he keeps winning. So I'm riding with Herbert this time. Going into the afternoon games, this is a real interesting one. We both picked Arizona to oh. lose their first game at Cleveland. Wow, you picked that too. I didn't. Even... Wow. Yeah, I'm okay. just looking at these now. Wow. Uh, I mean, I picked Arizona to lose last week, but uh, they beat the Trey Lance 49ers. But Cleveland lost a really close game that I think showed that Cleveland's really good in both sides of the ball. So I think they're going to have a tough time going into Cleveland winning this one. I still think Arizona's one of the top teams in the league. I just think yeah. they're going to lose one at some point. I don't know. I just think they just drop a game, and Cleveland's a pretty tough team. You know what's cool? Like, what's really cool about this game, I just realized? Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were back-to-back Heisman winners at oh, Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. This is the first time playing in the NFL. Uh, the next afternoon game, we got Vegas at Denver. We both got Denver. I keep picking Denver to win. Been right, like, half the times now. But, I don't know, Vegas, I feel like this coaching change or yeah. all the distractions that happen might affect them negatively. And I think Denver is just a good team. Dallas at New England for the last afternoon game is where we differ. I got Dallas, man. Dallas is just, they've been hot. Dak and Zeke both coming off of big games against the Giants. Dak, 300 yards, two touchdowns, and Zeke at 110 yards rushing and a touchdown. New England's defense looked good a couple weeks ago, but they almost lost to Houston last week. This is a tough one uh, because Dallas is just so good as late. But, I mean, I would I would leave it to Bill Belichick to end a cold streak like that. I don't know. I can't trust everything I see on the Patriots because the Patriots are just so random this year. Some games they play really well and some games they seem pretty bad. But I think this is going to be one of those really good games. Yeah, I think the, the Patriots are like the Saints who, thank God, have a bye this week and we didn't have to pick them. They're so up and down. <laughs> oh, man, be... And then Sunday night, we also differed. We got Seattle at Pittsburgh. You went with Seattle. Seattle and Pittsburgh have both like started off a lot sort than last year. I think I I think Seattle Seattle like even with Geno Smith in there showed that they could still move the ball against the Rams last Thursday night, and they also had you know a game on Thursday night, so they had some extra time to prepare. I think Seattle comes up with this on the road. Yeah, I don't trust Geno to carry the Hawks. I think Wilson barely was, and I like what I saw last week from Pittsburgh. Right, their offense. Specifically, their offensive line did a lot better to get them that win over Denver. So mm-hmm. I'm rolling with Pittsburgh and at Pittsburgh Monday night. I mean, Sunday night. Yeah. 
Yeah, moving on to Monday night. Bills get back-to-back primetime at Tennessee. I also want to pick Tennessee, but I'm like, no way. Do it then. (laughs) No way. I can't pick against (laughs) this Bills team right now. I'd be a fool. Yeah, I mean, I'm not picking against Buffalo most weeks anyway, but Tennessee, I remember just from last year, man, Tennessee plays Buffalo tough. And last year, even when the Bills were hot last year, Tennessee absolutely ran Buffalo. I don't know how, but I think their defense is pretty weak, and I think our offense is pretty good, even though it was like that last year. And I don't know. I think Julio's still out, So, but A.J. Brown is back, and they always will have King Henry. He'll, he'll be a whole handful. No, I'm, I'm confident. Bills, we're on a revenge tour from last year, man. We took care of the Chiefs last week. We're taking care of Tennessee this week. Tennessee looks a lot more vulnerable than you guys. Because for Tennessee to beat you guys, they'd have to move the ball on you guys and stop Allen, which both sides of the ball. Like, that's so that's what's so complete about the Bills. Like, both sides of the ball are absolutely, like, dominating it. Yeah, I love our defense. All right, that wraps it up for pod number six. And for this week, make sure to check us out on Twitter, at Crew Sports Pod. Thank you to everyone who stuck around to the end, and we will be back next week, next Thursday, probably, seems like, with more crazy football news.